Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Father, may we recognize that you are great and that you are loving. Father, may we just more than mentally ascend to this place, but may we experience these things. Not just this morning, but may we experience them every minute of every day. Father, may you be lifted high this morning through the proclamation of your word. We pray all these things in your precious name. Amen. Well, good morning, Mercy Hill. My name is Matt Beachy, and I am and have been a member of our pastoral internship here at Mercy Hill for the past two years. And so this morning, I want to thank you as a church. I want to thank our leaders and elders, uh, Pastor Eric, for this opportunity to bring to you the Word of God. This is not something to be taken lightly, and I want to inform you that it is not taken lightly. For those of you who are new here, uh, we have been engaged in Bible reading plans now for the past two years or so, um, which is where we read one chapter of the Bible um, a day a week, or for the week, I apologize, and journal upon that. Now, for those of you who do know this, this week has us in Genesis chapters 13 and 14. And we will get into the Word this morning, I promise. But before we do, I would like to share with you some history, and I would like to propose some questions to you to think about this morning. For most of humankind, we have, as a human species, wondered what it is or how it is we came to exist. Some of the greatest thinkers in our existence have pondered this question all the way back uh, in the fourth century. Aristotle developed a theory. It was called the theory of spontaneous generation. Now, this is a theory that out of nothing, something can spontaneously generate. And so the example in which Aristotle used when proposing this theory was that of a pile of dirty rags in a room would spontaneously generate into rats. Now we know this is not true. Dirty rags will attract rats. And later on, in the 6th century, this would be disproven, and actually the natural law, a natural law, one of the natural laws would be discovered. Um, and that natural law in is um, out of nothing, nothing comes. Ex nihilo, nihilo fit. So out of nothing organic, nothing organic can be created. We're building here. Uh, this would then become important in the 1930s when the Belgian 
astronomer and physicist. Um, it's spelled in English, George, but that's not how you would say it in Belgian, I promise. Um, but he would develop what is known as the Big Bang Theory today. And in this theory, for those of you who are unaware, the Big Bang Theory is that where there was this blank space and time, out of all of that, randomly, a combustion happened, sending our universe into this um, journey, millions and billions of years of random... Uh, genetic creations, and at this point, now creating the pinnacle of the evolutionary theory, or the evolutionary process, the human. Uh, again, all of this going against the natural law that out of nothing, nothing comes. And so, I tell you all of this uh, because the premise of today and what we see in Genesis 13 is that random things don't exist. Nothing random ever happens. If we are going to believe the Word of God and we are going to believe on the authority of Scripture, then theories like the Big Bang or theories that would go against even a hair of what the Bible says must be opposed and his stands in direct opposition of God. And so, as we get into the scripture today, we see that God's providence is at work. We saw it in chapter 12. We will continue to see it in chapters 13 and 14. And we will continue to see it throughout the life of Abram. Um, so, we want to talk today about the providence of God. And the providence of God flies directly in the theory of randomness. Random things don't happen. They cannot be random if God is provident and sovereign over them all. And we have faith then in this providence of God. We are to place our faith in God's providence, that He is in control of everything that has ever happened. And we see in Genesis 13 and 14 some products of this faith. One of the very first products of faith that we see in this chapter, in chapter 13 at least, is that faith and true faith will create, it will result better in complete and utter surrender to the Lord. And so if we read in Genesis 13, and we start in verse 8, we read, Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the land to the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord. 
like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zor. That was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all of the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed eastward, or journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan. And while Lot settled amongst the cities in the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. We see here, in this context, Abram is clearly the one who should be calling the shots. It should be Abram who is pulling rank on Lot and deciding where he wants to go. And he is deciding, excuse me, which land he wants to choose. For he is the wealthy one. He is the uncle. And he is the one that God made promises to. God did not create the covenant with Lot. He created the covenant with Abram. But what does Abram do? If you think about it, Abram, when giving Lot that choice, risked losing the land in which God had promised him. Abram had faith that the promises of God, that his covenant with God would remain intact regardless of what Lot would choose. You see, random things don't happen. Lot doesn't randomly choose this. This is all under the providence of God that this happens. Now let's look just for one moment at Lot's decision. Lot makes his decision based upon what will serve him. You have a lush Jordan River valley, valley excuse me, where most likely his crops, his flocks, and his wealth will continue to grow. However, one of his oversights is that it is near a place in which would later cause him much distress, near Sodom. But Abram excuse me, was promised this nation. He was promised a land, and when it came time to split with Lot, he trusted in the providence of God, and he surrendered fully and wholly to whatever it was God would have for him. When it comes to surrendering our hearts to the Lord's will, our hearts need changed. They must be changed because it goes against our human nature to relinquish control. You see, part of what Abram is able to do here is to relinquish the desire for control. We must humble ourselves and relinquish our desire to control. Now, in my normal line of work, I see this all the time. I meet with people on the regular who have a desire to control things. This desire for control, I watch destroy people's lives, whether it is in anger, whether it is for worrisome reason, whether it creates extreme sadness or extreme hatred. It will destroy relationships 
amongst one another when, de- when the desire to control is in our hearts. There is freedom in the gospel. There is freedom in the gospel of Jesus Christ that we no longer have to be in control. Rather, we can surrender ourselves to the will of God and He can be in control. We must no longer be slaves to outcomes and must no longer worry about the random acts that are going to come to our day because, ladies and gentlemen, nothing is ever random. If you think about it, no one has ever taken control from you because you never had absolute control. This doesn't mean that we don't choose to do things. This doesn't mean that we don't have our responsibilities. But ultimately, total and absolute control was never ours to begin with. And we must humble ourselves before the Lord and recognize that our loving and gracious and merciful Father who created everything is in control. We are not in control nor do we want to be in control. For when we are making decisions based upon what we believe to be best, we are like Lot and we choose what is oh so nearsighted. You see, a part of Apart from the grace of God, we cannot make not even one good decision. Now, many people, even within the church today or outside of the church, will tell you that it's time to take control of your lives. Get up and and take control of the ship, as you will. I would argue that that's not what we want to do. That is a responsibility that is not ours. It is not a responsibility that you do not want. Lest we end up in a place like Sodom when we take charge of our own ships. Brothers and sisters, I would beg of you, please relinquish your desire for control and surrender yourself humbly to the will of God. In order for us to do that, we must have faith in God. In order for us to do that, our hearts must be regenerated. But our faith, true faith, experiential faith, will do that. Is it will humble us? And it will allow us to surrender to the will of God. There is freedom in the surrender to the will of God. The freest you will ever be is when you are completely and utterly surrendered to God. For when we have faith and when we are able to surrender, that faith ultimately will produce action. If we continue to read 
in chapter 13. Starting in verse 14, it says, The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward, and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron, and he built an altar to the Lord. When we are faithful to the Lord, and we begin to see the world and everything that happens through the perspective that nothing random happens, it will ultimately produce action. We will do as we are called because we are faithful to the will of God. In this case, Abram had to get up and walk. Walk the length and the breadth of your land, for I will give it to you. When we are able to relinquish the control that we desire so much, we are willing to humble ourselves to the Lord and go where He calls us to go. We will humble ourselves and do what He calls us to do. Regardless of what we desire, it's not about us at that point. It is about continuing to do the will of the Father. Over the course of Abram's life, it is very easy to see Abram's faith through his actions. As we saw in chapter 12, God commanded him to leave the land of his fathers and go to the land that he will show him. We see in this chapter, again, God shows him his land and tells him to go and walk the length and the breadth of it. There's no question from Abram what to do. He goes where he is called to go. Later, he would be asked to do some more things. And Abram, able to surrender himself to the will of God and to relinquish that desire for control, does as he is told. You see, when we stop believing that everything is random or that random things exist, it makes everything that we do important. Abram was promised a nation. He was in this chapter 13 promised offspring. All of these things are great. But how much greater are the promises of God to us than that of a nation or that of offspring? The promise of eternal life with Christ in His holy presence. How much greater are the promises of God to us that we should not get up and go? It is faith that allows us to move. It is faith that allows us to go where God is calling us.
many people in the world today, or maybe that's a gross assumption, but there are many diets that exist in the world today. We would agree. Uh, hundreds, maybe thousands, I don't know. Don't really concern myself with them. However, what motivates a person to do the things that diets demand? It is the end goal that we desire, right? Whether it is to weigh a certain weight, whether it is for our bodies to look a certain way. And we go through sometimes painful, most times just miserable things. Whether it is extreme caloric restrictions, whether it is rigorous exercise, whether it is counting how much I walk in a day. And we do this faithfully and we don't just sign up for a program and then sit on our couch and eat chips, but when we do something like this, we do it. We take the steps because we have faith that at the end I will have the figure or my weight will be a certain way. I will get what I want. So we do these things no matter the cost, right? Our faith is in the providence of God. How much greater is that promise than the promise of my body looking a certain way or weighing a certain number? Go. Do what you are called. Surrender to the Lord and go where He tells you to. Do what He tells you to do. Right? The faith in God, in knowing, excuse me, in knowing that God is sovereign over every single thing gives us the confidence to go wherever He tells us to go. Again, nothing random ever happens. Everything that happens, happens under the providence of God. Now, many of the people, and I myself have asked this question, what is it that the Lord requires of me? Or what does He, what am I called to do? What am I supposed to do? Right? And most likely, we'll probably never hear an audible voice of God telling you directly the steps to take to get where you want to go or where you think you need to go. And so this is where our uh, dedication to the Word of God and prayer comes in. This is where it is important for us to understand what the Bible has called us to do, what Christ has called His people to. We are the bride of Christ, and so we are to make disciples we are to spread the gospel. And we are to do this whether or not we feel comfortable with it. We are to do this because it is out of obedience to the will of God. He is sovereign over the means and He is sovereign over the ends. And so His will will be done. And He is sovereign over us as we do it. It is His providence and the faith in His providence that 
allows us to go and move where he demands, where he commands. So, we start broad and then we narrow it down. Uh, I will shamelessly plug mercyhill.com, mercyhillfamily.com or .org. It doesn't matter, they're both ours. One of the things here at Mercy Hill that is rigorously discussed, at least in, uh, amongst the people I'm aware of, is the path for discipleship. Eric has spent time, hours to develop and perfect this E2 course. We're passionate about discipleship individually. And the reason I plugged the website is because on that website you could sign up for either of those. Be discipled. Be sharpened by other believers. Be sharpened by people who have been on this journey so long. Be discipled. Sign up for it. It is nothing. It takes two clicks and put your name and address and your phone number, or maybe not even your address. I don't know. But be discipled. Start broad. Be discipled so that you can disciple others. That's how the multiplication of the bride works, is that when you're discipled, you can then go disciple others. But we have to do something. We can't just sit down and sit back in our, again, to the diet analogy. You don't sign up and learn how to do a diet just to sit on the couch and eat chips and pizza. We are called to make followers. We are called to disciple. We are called to further the kingdom. We are the bride of Christ. And we are to obey everything that He tells us to do. So let us go do it. We must do something. Please, if nothing else today, we must begin broad. If you really want to hear from the Lord, do the simple things. He will lead and He will show you more specifically what to do after that. It is faith that leads us to obedience. And it is faith that produces thanksgiving. If we read at the end of chapter 13, Abram builds an altar to the Lord in praise and thanksgiving. But even more so, if we read in chapter 14, and we start in verse 17, it says, After his return from the, from the defeat of Chedlamer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet the king in the valley of Shaven, which is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the God Most High, and blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, and he, was and he who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom said to Abram, 
Give me the persons, but take goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord, God of most high, God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who went with me. Let Aner, Eshol, and Memory take their share. When we begin to see life through this lens of faith, and we allow it to, uh, to direct us. It will produce, no doubt, a heart that is thankful and a heart of thanksgiving. Abram continued to be thankful with the things that he had when he gave them his tenth to Melchizedek. We are grateful, beloved, because we know that as His children, nothing will separate us from Him. That we have been adopted, that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, that we are heirs with Christ. We know this and we have faith in this, and then we are thankful Our hearts are thankful. And we know that the Christ that we are heirs with, who has blessed us with these things, that He is in control and He is sovereign and His providence is over everything. Nothing random can happen under the sun. Because everything that happens is within the providence of God. When we trust and we understand God, It becomes true that all things work together for our good. Romans 8. We believe God and His sovereignty. Not just because we can mentally ascend to the idea that somebody is sovereign or over everything, but we experience it. And one of the ways that we're able to experience that is when we experience thankful hearts. Regardless of the experience. Because we know that God has been sovereign over it all. His being in control allows us to be free from our worry. For we no longer have to prepare for what's next. We do as we are told and we obey Now, one of the things that uh, happens in the field in which I work is that it is a licensure-based field. And so it begins with an entry-level license, and after a certain amount of time, one must be examined to determine whether or not Uh, they're able to continue to do the work without regular supervision. And this examination that uh, counselors go through to become independent, uh, 
uh, in the last year, I have recently passed that exam. So that was exciting. However, in preparation for this, I have what most professionals would consider to be test anxiety. So regardless of the test, whatever it is, I will most likely increase my blood pressure tremendously, uh, which is uncomfortable for me. Uh, but having said that, I also tell you this, I previously failed that exam. So before I could pass it, I had to fail it. And as I studied the second time, I was well prepared to take this. It did not really bring, no level of preparation for me would ever decrease my anxiety about the upcoming examination. It's just something that I experience. It's not until, though, there's an understanding and a surrender that if God wants me to pass an examination, then he will help me pass that examination. That that exam was passed before I ever stepped into the room. You see, I don't tell you this story to be arrogant or braggadocious or anything like that. But I invite you to cast your worry, to cast your anger, your fear, your sadness, your hatred, your desire for control at the foot of the cross and trade it for a thankful heart. Thankful that God is sovereign and that you are not. There is freedom in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is freedom when we are able to relinquish that need to control. And I tell you this because control is one of the most basic human desires to control the situation, to control people, right? Because we must be prepared for the possibility of random things that would destroy our plans. And I'm here to tell you, once again, nothing random ever happens. Everything that happens is under the providence of God. Now, for some of us, I don't know what you're all going through individually. There is hurt and there is pain in the world, and I have no doubt about that. But I am telling you that nothing has happened randomly. You are not here because of random chance. You're not sitting in this room by random chance. This is all under the providence of God. And so we may not know what the reason is why God allows painful things to happen to us. 
but we are to be faithful to Him and His Word. We are to continue to obey Him and trust that in His love and in His mercy, He will continue to guide. So we want to look just briefly at the randomness here of the second half of chapter 4. 14, sorry. You have a, a man, Abram, whose nephew is randomly taken out of a city by some kings. And it's not really Abram's battle to fight, necessarily. Yet he goes and he defeats these kings. And then on the way back, so think of the random location. And then on the way back, he randomly meets this priest king, Melchizedek. Now, we do have to speak about Melchizedek um, because of the importance of him. Within the narrative and within the uh, scriptures, this is actually the only time within the narrative of any of the scripture that we get to meet Melchizedek. Um, he, is he is in the prophecy in uh, Psalms 110. We will read that in a minute. And then he's also mentioned in Hebrews 7. The reason Melchizedek is important is because Melchizedek is also the priest and the king line of genealogy in which Jesus would come from. Jesus is prophesied to come from the he is prophesied to become from a line of priests. Yes? As we read in Samuel, the Levitical line no longer could be perfect. They could not hold the standard anymore. Not that they were ever perfect, but they could never hold the standard. And they allowed themselves to be swain into the incorrect direction. And God put an end to the Levitical line. So the question then becomes, how does Christ come from a line of priests if the Levitical line of priests, the descendants of Aaron, if that entire line was deceased? The answer is here. This man who randomly meets Melchizedek, or meets Abram. You see, nothing is random. Absolutely nothing. In Psalms 110, it says this, And the Lord, God, says to my Lord, Jesus, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change uh, will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand and he will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. If we read again, read also, Hebrews 7. 
It says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of God most high, of most high God, met Abram returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him, and blessed Abram, appointed a tenth of everything. He appointed a tenth of part of everything. He is first by translation of his name, King of Righteousness. Then he is also King of Salem, that is, King of Peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. See how great this man was to whom Abram the patriarch gave a tenth of his spoils. And those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office uh, have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, that is, from their brothers, though these also are descendants of Abraham. But this man, who does not have his descent from, their, uh, from them, received tithe from Abram and blessed him who, was, who had the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In this case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in other case, by, by one of whom is testified that he lives. One might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham. For he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. You see, nothing is random ever. Abram had just entered within covenant of God and is going to meet the priest king, the line of genealogy that Jesus himself would come from, to be blessed by him and to bless him in return with his possessions. Nothing random ever happens. Worship team, you can come on up. We need to begin to recognize that the providence of God allows us to have faith. And that faith will always, always humble us to the point of surrender. It will lead us to obey in what we are told to do. And it will always produce a thankful heart. But we must surrender first. And we must understand that nothing ever random happens. So there are some implications to leave you with, some questions perhaps. The first question that I would like to ask is that, what is it that you are still wanting to control? Do you desire control of a spouse or a friend? your work, but what is it that you desire to control? 
Secondly, I would ask, what prevents you from surrendering utterly to the providence of God? Your pride, fear, perhaps your anger. But what ultimately prevents you from wanting to surrender to God? Finally, are you earnestly seeking the will of God through reading of His Word and His prayer? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to You. We thank You, Lord, for your providence, your sovereignty over everything. Lord, we recognize that you are in complete and utter control. Father, I just pray that as we, your bride, leave from here, that we would be able to surrender ourselves to your will and that we would continue to obey and go where you call us to do because, Lord, we are most grateful and most thankful when we are in obedience and we are in utter surrender to your will. Father, we love you and we worship you. Amen.